Hi boys and girls, it's Mrs. Moss and I am going to start reading one of the Mark Twain nominees for next year. This will count towards one of your four nominees that you need to read in order to qualify for um, voting at the end of the school year or through the middle of the school year. So I have chosen to read the book Front Desk and it's by Kelly Yang and Here's a little bit about the book. This is what is on the back cover. Mia Tang has a lot of secrets. Number one, she lives in a motel, not a big house. Number two, her parents hide immigrants. Number three, she wants to be a writer. It'll take all of Mia's courage, kindness, and hard work to get through this year. Will she be able to hold on to her job, help the immigrants and guests escape Mr. Yao, and go for her dreams? So we're going to read. You can check back um, as often as you'd like. I will post um, different chapters. So I'll read the whole book and I will post different chapters throughout the summer. So by the end of the summer, um, hopefully we will be through the whole entire book. It might take till the beginning of next school year, though, as well. So remember, you have to listen to all of the, the whole book um, in order for it to qualify. So chapter one. My parents told me that America would be this amazing place where we could live in a house with a dog, do whatever we want, and eat hamburgers till we were red in the face. So far, the only point part of that we've achieved is the hamburger part, but I was still holding out hope, and the hamburgers here are pretty good. The most incredible burger I've ever had was at the Houston Space Center last summer. We went, weren't planning on eating there. Everybody knows museum food is 50,000 times more expensive than outside food. But one whiff of the sizzling bacon as we passed by the cafe and my knees wobbled. My parents must have heard the howls of my stomach because the next thing I knew, my mother was rummaging through her purse for coins. We only had enough money for one hamburger, so we had to share. But man, was that a good burger. It was a mile high with real bacon and mayonnaise and pickles. My mom likes to tease that I devoured the whole thing in one gulp, leaving the two of them only a couple of crumbs. I'd like to think I gave them a little more than that. The other thing that was great about the Space Center was the free air conditioning. We were living in our car that summer, which sounds like a lot of fun, but actually wasn't, because our car's AC was busted. So after the burger, my dad parked himself in front of the vent and stayed there the entire rest of the time. It was like he was trying to turn his fingers into popsicles. My mom and I bounced from exhibit to exhibit instead. I could barely keep up with her. She was an engineer back in China, so she loves maths and rockets. She ooed and awed over the module, each module. I wished my cousin Shen could have been there. He loves rockets, too. When we got to the photo booth, my mother's face lit up. The booth took a picture of you and made it look like you were in a in space, like a real astronaut. I went first. I put my head where the cardboard cutout was and smiled when the guy said, geez. When it was my mom's turn to take the, her photo, I thought it would be funny to jump into her shot. The end result was a picture of her in an astronaut suit hovering over Earth and me standing right next to her in my flip-flops doing bunny ears with my fingers. My mother's face crumpled when she saw her picture. She pleaded with the guy to take another one but he said no can do, one picture per person. For a second, I thought I was going to cry. We still have the picture, 
Every time I look at it, I wish I could go back in time. If I could do it all over again, I would not photobomb my mom's picture. And I'd give her more of my burger. Not the whole thing, but definitely some more bites. At the end of that summer, my dad got a job as an assistant fryer at a Chinese restaurant in California. That meant we didn't have to live in our car anymore, and we could move into a small one-bedroom apartment. It also meant my dad brought home fried rice from work every day. But sometimes he'd also bring back big old blisters up and down his arm. He said they were just allergies, but I didn't think so. I think he got them from frying food all day long in the sizzling wok. My mom got a job in the front of the restaurant as a waitress. Everybody liked her, and she got great tips. She even managed to convince the boss to let me go with her to the restaurant after school, since there was nobody to look after me. My mother's boss was a wrinkly, white-haired Chinese man who reeked of garlic and didn't believe in wasting anything. Not cooking oil, not toilet paper, and certainly not free labor. You think you can handle waitressing, kid? He asked me. Yes, sir, I said. Excitement pulsated in my ear. My first job. I was determined not to let him down. There was just one problem. I was only nine then and needed two hands just to hold one dish steady. The other waitresses managed five plates at a time. Some didn't even need hands. They could balance a plate on their shoulder. When the dip, big dinner rush came, I too loaded up my carrying tray with five dishes. Big mistake. As my small back gave out into the, mount, the mon monumentous weight, all my dishes came crashing down. Hot soup splashed onto customers and fried prawns went flying across the restaurant. I was fired on the spot and so was my mother. No amount of begging or promising to do the dishes for the next gazillion years would change the owner's mind. The whole way home, I fought back tears in my eyes. I thought of my three cousins back home. None of them had ever gotten fired before. Like me, they were only children as well. In China, every child is an only child, ever since the government decided all families are allowed only one. Since none of us had siblings, we were, our own, we were each other's siblings. Leaving them was the hardest part about leaving China. I didn't want my mom to see me cry in the car, but eventually that night, she heard me. She came into my room and sat down on my bed. Hey, it's okay, she said in Chinese, hugging me tight. It's not your fault. She wiped a tear away from my cheek. Through the thin walls, I could hear the sounds of husbands and wives bickering and babies wailing from the neighboring apartments, each one as cramped as ours. Mom, I asked, why did we come here? Why did we come to America? I repeated. My mother looked away and didn't say anything for a long time. A plane flew overhead and the picture frames on the wall shook. She looked in, her, in my eyes. Because it's freer here, she said finally, which didn't make any sense. Nothing was free in America. Everything was so expensive. But mom, one day you'll understand, she said, kissing the top of my head. Now go to sleep. I drifted to sleep, thinking about my cousins and missing them, and hoping they were missing me back. After my mother got fired from the restaurant, she got very serious about job hunting. She called it getting back on her horse. It was 1993, and she bought every Chinese newspaper she could find. She poured over the job section with a magnifying glass like a scientist. That's when she came across an unusual listing. A man named Michael Yo had put an ad out in the Chinese newspaper looking for an experienced motel manager. 
The ad said that he owned a little motel in Anaheim, California, and he was looking for someone to run the place. The job came with free boarding, too. My mother jumped up and grabbed the phone. Our rent, then, cost almost all my dad's salary. And who said things in America were free? To her surprise, Mr. Yo was equally enthusiastic. He didn't seem to mind that my parents weren't experienced and really liked the fact that they were a couple. Two people for the price of one, he joked in his thick Taiwanese accented Mandarin when he, we went over to his house the next day. My parents smiled nervously while I tried to stay as still as I could and not screwed up for them, like I'd screwed up my mother's restaurant job. We were sitting in the living room of Mr. Yo's house, or rather, his mansion. I made myself look at the floor and not stare at the top of Mr. Yo's head, which was all shiny under the light, like it had been painted in egg white. The door opened and a boy about my age walked in. He had on a t-shirt that said, I don't give a, and underneath it, a picture of a rat and a donkey. I raised an eyebrow. Jason, Mr. Yo said to the boy, say hello. Hi. Jason muttered. My parents smiled at Jason. What grade are you in? They asked him in Chinese. Jason replied in English. I'm going into fifth grade. Ah, same as Mia, my mom said. She smiled at Mr. Yo. Your son's English is so good, she said, and she turned to me. Hear that, Mia? No accent. My cheeks burned. I felt my tongue and my mouth go limp, like a lizard. Of course he speaks good English. He was born here, Mr. Yo said. He speaks native English. Native, I mouthed the word. I wondered if I would re worked really hard, would I also be able to speak native English one day? Or was that something completely off limits for me? I looked over at my mom, who was shaking her head. Jason disappeared off to his room, and Mr. Yo asked my parents if they had any questions. Just to make sure, we can live at the motel for free, my mom asked. Yes, Mr. Yo said. And what about... My mom struggled to get the words out. She shook her head and bears to say it. Will we get paid? Oh, right, payment, Mr. Yo said, like it hadn't dawned on him at all. How's $5 a customer? I glanced at my mom. I could tell that she was doing the math in her head because she always got the stringy smile on her face. 30 rooms at $5 a room. That's $150 a night, my mom said, her eyes widening. She looked at my dad. That's a lot of money. It was a humongous amount of money. We could never, we could buy hamburgers every day, one for each of us. We wouldn't even need to share. When can you start? Mr. Yo asked. Tomorrow, my mom and dad blurted out at the exact same time. Mr. Yo laughed. As my parents got up to shake his hands, Mr. Yo muttered, I have to warn you, it's not the nicest motel in the world. My parents nodded. I could tell it made no difference to them what the motel looked like. It could look like the inside of a Greyhound bus toilet for all we cared at $150 a day plus free rent, we were in. Chapter 2. The Cala Vista Motel sat on the corner of Coast Boulevard and Meadow Lane. It was a small motel, the first of three hotels in a, motels in a row. The Topaz Inn and the Lagoon Motel were right next door and bigger, but I immediately decided I liked our little motel the best. With its creamy walls and red doors, it looked warm and inviting. I looked up at the sign and read the words, low rates, cable TV, Disneyland, just five miles away. Excitedly, I asked my parents if that meant we could go and visit and go on all the rides. We probably could, my mom said. I smiled, savoring the moment. Our lives were about to change. We were going to become Disneyland going people. 
As if things couldn't get any better, the Cala Vista had a pool. It was right out in front. The water sparkled under the golden sun. I closed my eyes and pictured myself doing Keenan balls in the water all summer long. This was going to be amazing. Just behind the pool was the front desk. I'd asked my parents in the car whether I could help at the front desk, and my dad had chuckled and said, We'll see. Mr. Yo was waiting for us in the front office. He buzzed us in and lifted the divider so we could all get behind the front desk. The front desk was a long wooden desk that stretched almost the entire width of the room. Just behind the front office were the main manager's quarters, where Mr. Yo led us next. There was a living room with a bed in it. He pointed to the bed. You guys sleep here, he said to my parents, so you can hear the customers in the middle of the night. Customers come in the middle of the night, my dad asked. Mr. Yo nodded. Of course, it's a motel. But won't that wake them up, I asked. Mr. Yo rolled his eyes. That's the point, he said. Next, he led us over to the small bedroom just to the right of the living room and the kitchen. The girl can sleep here, Mr. Yo said. For some reason, he still kept calling me the girl, even though I had already told him my name several times. I put my stuff down in the small bedroom, then joined my parents and Mr. Yo in the front office. Mr. Yo was explaining the buzzer. One wrong buzz, and it's all over, he said. See that glass? He pointed to the thick glass enclosing the front office. That's bulletproof glass. You see a bad guy come up, you don't need to worry. They can't hurt you. But if you press the buzzer, he put his fingers on the buzzer just under the front desk and a loud bzzz roared. That door right there gets locked, Mr. Yo said. And then what? I asked him. Then he's inside, Mr. Yo said. I looked around to see if there were any other magical buttons or bulletproof glass inside the office. There weren't. I asked Mr. Yo how we could tell if someone was a bad guy. Based on how they look, of course, he said, which made me wonder because it's not like people look bad walking around with a sticker on their heads that say, I'm bad. The bottom line is, don't let any bad guys in, Mr. Yo, Yo warned. His pupils expanded as he said the word bad. While Mr. Yo took my parents out back to show them the laundry room and cleaning supplies, I stayed in the front office. I climbed up on top of the front desk stool. Gently, I reached down and touched the buzzer with my fingers. It was greasy, like it had been pressed a hundred hundred times. Slowly, I pressed on it and heard it zap. I pressed it again. Bzz, bzz, bzz. Power coursed through my fingertips. I closed my eyes and pictured myself checking customers in. Why, yes, Mrs. Connolly, I'd be glad to show you to your room. Right this way, I'd say. Certainly, I can help you with your luggage. It would be my pleasure. So deep was I in my fake customer relations that I almost didn't hear it when a real customer walked up and tapped on the front office glass. I looked up to see a thin African-American man, about 50 or so years old, smiling and waving at me. He motioned with his right hand for me to buzz him in. Oh, right, I said, then pressed on the buzzer. Bzzz. He pushed over the door and walked in. Just saw Mr. Yo on, in the lot. You must be the new managers, he said. He extended his hand across the front desk. Name's Hank. I smiled, took his hand, and shook it. I'm Mia. Nice to meet you. He tilted his head to one side. How old are you, Mia? I'm ten, I told him. Say, aren't you a little young to be running this place? He teased me. I laughed. I liked Hank immediately. I'm helping my parents, I told him. What about you? Do you live here? Sure do, he said, and pointed to one of the rooms. That's me right there, number 12. 
Hank informed me that he wasn't a regular customer, the kind who just stays a day or two. He was a weekly. A weekly is someone who pays by the week. There were five of them at the Cala Vista. There, were, there was Mrs. Q, Mrs. T, Hank, Billy Bob, and Fred. You'll meet them, he said. They're all nice people. I smiled. Do you guys like living here, I asked. Oh, yeah, he said. Well, except for Mr. Yo. Everyone hates Mr. Yo. Really, I asked. He seems all right. Intense, but all right. Hank snorted. Trust me, he's anything but all right. Before I could ask what Hank meant, the back door creaked open and my parents and Mr. Yo came back in. When I turned around, Hank was gone.